Hi, this is Alistair Stewart. And this is Brock Wilbur. And you're listening to Carrying Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then try and find the silver lining or flip it into something that, well, maybe not positive, will at least be productive. How you doing, Brock? This whole thing is still going on. The process continues. <laughs> how how does how does that progress on your end? Uh, it's it's been an interesting few weeks. Um, my day job is coming to an end, which was not happening five weeks ago. Uh, I'm sure this is an experience that that you have. I believe the polite term is interfaced with, where something very stupid happens at your day job, and you go, "Are we fucked?" And someone goes, "Oh no no no, you're fine." And then it's like this kaiju of stupid is just taking measured, deliberate steps towards you. And then the next Ooh. one is much closer. And you go, are, 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 are we fucked? And someone goes, no. And then you get an email from HR. Uh, I'm actually fine. Good. Which I'm, I'm really quite surprised about. And fine, fine is kind of a movable feast in this instance, obviously. Because no, no one ever likes to be told, hey, you know your job? Yeah, the thing you use to get money to buy stuff? Yeah, well, you don't have it anymore. Thanks. Well, here's the thing. You still have stuff. I know this about you. So I, I feel like you're safe in that respect. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all right on the stuff point of view. Yeah. But no, I've got a decent amount of money saved. I've got a ridiculous skill set coming out of this. I mean, I've done stuff at this job, which I didn't think I could do. And I've actually done it really well. So it's just it's unusual. I think as, as we're recording, I have about two weeks left. And they've made vague noises about bringing us back as contractors. And that would be really nice. But honestly, what I think I'm doing... And this, this, the thing about this is so weird because there's incredible symmetry to it. I got this job almost exactly a year ago. Almost exactly a year ago, I was just going, okay, I don't get much of a Christmas break this year because they need me to hit the ground running. And uh, this year, I'm like, okay, I kind of get last year's Christmas break this year. Cool. So I'm going to take the last couple of weeks of December out and just catch up on the, Jesus, I think 35 TV shows. I'm about halfway through. Because that, that's how I deal with the with the, the ongoing process. You know, I just I, I watch a lot of TV and then start looking for something in the new year. So it's an odd one because the last time I got laid off was about 15 years ago. And I genuinely have no memory of the two weeks that followed that, which isn't quite unpleasant. So this time, and it's far more, ah, oh, fuck. I like the idea of thinking about this as going into like, what if I don't remember this one either? And that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i think that we all do deserve like uh a actual severance like maybe don't erase your brain while i'm at my job but maybe for the two weeks afterwards it, maybe my my trauma response is just like uh, head empty no thoughts me and my cats can share a brain cell that seems fine seems like a good way of processing it i kind of feel like we should all be issued a couple of tokens every year okay and yet wh when when something bad happens you just go you know what i really don't want the last week could you just yeah okay great thanks and when it's done you get a nice little kind of monogram card that goes yes there is a hole in your memory it's fine i'm now trying to decide where i would spend my tokens anytime that somebody creates a fictional economy that's you know you've taken my day the the token idea <laughs> is actually its own token i won't remember this saturday there is at least one mark Wahlberg movie which i would instantly spend one token on and it would be a very awkward conversation like alistair this is just three hours yeah it, it's just a movie alistair have you seen it no it's got mark Wahlberg in it oh we're so sorry yes of course here you go is he asking you to be scientific douchebag or is it a transformers <laughs> oh no 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 um I'm very, I'm very nice. 
with culture, I usually find something I really like yeah. in there. And um, I'm Mile 22, starring Mark Wahlberg, is not only notable for being about 50% of Ronda Rousey's movie career, but also being one of the single most irredeemable movies I've ever seen. God, I can't believe that you just recovered the memory of that inside. Like, I feel, I feel, I'm, I'm already ill. I now feel extra, <laughs> I feel darkness. I feel a bad darkness, not a fun darkness like usual. Like, oh, wow, yes. Yes, that's a bad, irredeemable thing. <laughs> I, I came out the other side of that, and I think I drew a diagram, and I think it was like, so here are all the people in this that were really good. Okay. So that works, that works, that works. Wahlberg's a screaming vortex of terrible opinions and, and shitty, shitty, shitty worldviews. And then in the middle of it, it's just this, like, abyss of terrible. It's like so many very good people worked very hard on that film, and it's a turd. I mean, I'm now I'm fully aware digressing on a digression, but the simple fact that that was Ikawa Oasis' Hollywood coming out party from, from the raid, and I mean that man is is a martial artist with the emphasis on artist. He his he makes violence look beautiful, and they spend two fucking hours putting him next to fucking Marky Mark and the racist Funky Bunch, and just he he looks bored. You can you can kind of see him go. Well, I, I get to stand in a corridor in Force Awakens in a minute. I guess that's fun. Oh. Do you have a carrying into the void for us today? Because I'm gonna spend my tokens on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do indeed Let's talk about space, baby As I choose to believe Salt and Pepper have sung at at least one NASA Christmas party Specifically, we need to talk about the military bit of space Specifically, the X-37B The X-37B is a project now in the hands of the US Space Force A military organization that embodies the consequences of mixing Benadryl with racism <laughs> Thank you you may not have heard of the X-37B. It exists, as so many of these things do, in that curious hinterland of being classified at the sort of level that makes WikiLeaks need to alter its posture, and also being unfucking believably obvious in public. This grey area is easily the weirdest and most profoundly annoying element of conspiracy culture, and I encountered it early in life, and it remains so, so tiresome. Oh my god. Picture the scene, if you will. It's the 1990s, and tiny Alistair is full of premillennial hormones, horror, ufology, and a terrible haircut. In the same period of time where I've persuaded friends to come in on buying a copy of UFO Secrets of the Third Reich, this is a real thing, and somehow all of those friends still talk to me, I encountered a BBC documentary about ufology. In it, ufologist Jenny Randalls excitedly pointed out that the US Air Force base at Menwith Hill was, and this is a direct quote, the UK equivalent of Area 51. Let me paint a word picture for you. Menwith Hill is visible from the public road she was driving along, a road a couple of hundred thousand people go up and down every day. I've been on that road many times. When I ran a comic store in York, we had customers who were part of the troop detachment there. There was a joke I've never quite tracked the provenance of about how in Harrogate, the nearest town to Menwith Hill, house prices were listed in dollars. This is not classified in any sense of the word that would, the Oxford English Dictionary would be happy about, you know? Anyway, the X-37B. Picture a scale model of a space shuttle, or perhaps the, touching, the result of a touching union between a space shuttle and a drone. Launched vertically in the nose cone of an Atlas V or Falcon 9 rocket. Rocket, by the way, is the polite way that we say missile in aerospace service. <laughs> to a height of about 400 miles, the X-37B just kind of 
hangs out and does stuff. No one, this is where the classified bit comes in. No one knows what it does. Now, all of this would be interesting, if a little scary. What's very disquieting about it is how long its missions are. The last one lasted 908 days. 908 days. That thing was in orbit longer than at least two prime ministers of my country. And of course, no one knows what it does up there, and that's the crux of this. The AX-37B is incredibly, unbelievably public. There are official stills of the little Skynet that could on the tarmac after recovery. Dmitry Rogatsin, then head of Roscosmos and bargain basement Bond villain, Roscosmos is the Russian space agency, by the way, claimed it was a carrier of some kind of reconnaissance apparatus and a carrier of weapons of mass destruction. Now, he's probably not wrong either, which has to be a fun and new experience for Rogatsin, because he is the man who half-acidly threatened to deorbit the International Space Station, and who Bill Nelson, then NASA administrator, described as, that's just Dimitri, he spouts off every now and then, but at the end of the day he's worked with us. The other people that work in the Russian space program, they're professional. That's a burn, Bill. That's a burn for orbit. Anyway, the X-37B is definitely real, definitely secret, and definitely scary, but it's also the embodiment of something really interesting. And that's the idea of liminal space. The idea that this is part of something massive we can see that's encouraging us to imagine and in some cases worry about what we can't. It's basically a psychological warfare tool, a meme, if you like, with, you know, high-velocity engines. That's a complex concept. Artistic and hostile and enticing, and it reminds me, in closing, of the old Will Durst line about stealth bombers from way back in the early 90s, which is, why even build them? Why not tell the Russians there are thousands of them and they're everywhere? Keep watching the skies, friends. Odds are the X-37B or its friends are watching you. <laughs> That's fun. I love making friends. Everybody wave. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, little buddy. This, this stuff is so weird. I mean, you know, I... This is one of the ridiculous yeah. areas where, where my brain demanded I deep dive a few years ago. And all the stuff which unofficially doesn't exist but officially does is just, yeah. You know, there is an, there's an English hacker who claims absolutely hands down that he had once broken into a secure part of the, the NASA mainframes and discovered listings for lunar uh, installations high orbit installations and something on Mars. He'd also said that he had discovered several references to NASA astronauts being stationed on extraterrestrial facilities and that he hadn't printed any of this out because he was very, very high. Yeah, um, yes, that's how I wanted to receive that information. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I a, a lot of this stuff is very compelling and some of this stuff is plausible. And, and, you know, it's it's just, it's almost like they give you five pieces of some really unsettling Lego and go, we're not going to give you any instructions. Build this in a manner which reflects your own internal neuroses. Like, Thanks, oh. military industrial complex. I hate it. Yeah, that is a gift that keeps on taking. Uh, very well put. Do you, have a, do you have a caring moment for this one? <laughs> I do. This one was a bit of a dig, but I think I found one. Okay. You worry, I suspect, that you are too obvious. You worry that you are all show and no go, making a big splash as you return, knowing full well that all eyes will be on you and that the questions you want answered will eventually be answered. But also knowing this, being the show is exhausting. The spotlight does nothing but burn, and sometimes you just want to be subtle. But you are always subtle. The part you give them is your smallest part. <laughs> 
The part you keep for yourself is focused, determined and calm, and it can see for miles and miles. That is where you live. The spotlight, that's just where you work. For saying that you had to really dig for that one, that feels like a core caring for the show right there. You were oh, you thanks, so man. obvious. Come on, that was... Yeah, that that got me right in the feels, the hearty feels. My goodness, yes. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Boy, howdy does imposter syndrome love to say like this thing is way too obvious, and then you look at the uh, the United States military and you're like, no, 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 that's obvious. There's <laughs> <laughs> so 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 what are we calling the, the the guys that work in space? Space force, really? <laughs> and are we giving them good uniforms? <laughs> no. Okay. All right. No, I we can't go down the rabbit hole of Space Force this morning. I, <laughs> um, so today I wanted to bring to the table a toy from the 1950s. Um, space Age, if not space itself. It's called the Gilbert Atomic Energy Lab. It's uh, a little kit. Uh, it looks very Fallout, a exceptionally fall, perfectly Fallout. Um, it's, a, it's a little science lab, a little, little toy kit that would allow children to observe nuclear fission in their own home. Uh, there was a kit with several forms of uranium in it, uh, and a miniature cloud chamber for observing the movement of radioactive elements. The manual suggested that kids could set up this cloud chamber for their family and friends, delighting them with a display of decaying radioactive uranium, awe-inspiring sights, the manual boasts, electrons racing at fantastic velocities, etc., etc., um, it also includes a Geiger counter for measuring levels of background radiation. Uh, not only would this warn you if your homemade nuclear lab was poisoning you, but it also suggested that uh, kids could use their uranium for games of hide-and-seek by uh, taking pieces of it and, uh, and hiding it around and letting friends use a Geiger counter to find things. Oh, dear God. They, they made a box, put several units of uranium in it and and gave it to children so that they could learn about uh the the joys of turning into the fantastic four i assume <laughs> so yeah they they put radiation in your home and like the radiation included in this basically was about the same level of hazard as like uv rays from the sun but was still plenty in fact like it's in some little containers um and it, it, it there's a 1950s level of of warning like hey don't crack this open because obviously if you crack this open uranium dust will get all over everything and you will make your house radioactive like so it's not in like the strongest safest protector thing and so it's basically going on a handshake and a smile that you won't poison your family uh which every part of it uh just goddamn fantastic um <laughs> so they made only five thousand of these but they're still around, and you can sort of find them. And, and here's the thing. When uranium science kit in 1950 hit the market, um, it retailed for $50 American at the time, which you put in inflation now. It's somewhere in the realm of $600 for a children's toy. Oh, so it was like they made oh, about 5,000 of them that got into the populace, and that's that's it. But, like, who had $600 to buy their kid a poison factory? 
anyway, a lot of those kids still have theirs, and they wind up on eBay every once in a while. And so it's like, hey, I, you can still actually just legally buy uranium via this science kit, which I would love to use as the basis for a, a comedy action thriller spy thing. Like, you know, we could just acquire all of these science kits, and we can probably make a pretty legit bomb from it. Uh, so I've been keeping an eye on the Gilbert Cloud Chamber uh, for a while now, and uh, one went up on eBay a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, is is today the day I bring uranium into my household? I'm not allowed to own a gun, according to my wife, but I could maybe own a science kit <laughs> that no one asks any further questions about. Uh, and it turns out that for $600 uh, today, you can get the box this came in. That's how much this is an item that people want, which makes me think that some people somewhere are really keeping an eye on it for fun reasons. So uh, that's the story of the uh, the Gilbert Atomic Energy Lab, a, a small toy kit that was a nuclear bomb for kids, like the Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah, it's uh, it's perfect. <laughs> uh, I, I am straight up knocked on my ass, and, and this has absolutely provided very useful context for a conversation I had with my parents several times as a child, which was, what would you like <laughs> for Christmas, Alistair? Could I get a chemistry set? No. And at the time, I always felt that there was tremendous injustice behind that. Because, you know, I was I was a clever kid. I had glasses. I figured, all right, I'm, I read books. Clearly, I'm going to be a scientist. I can't do math or shit. But, you know, I'm clever and I sound like this. And I now realize that what my parents realized at the time, which is that when you give a child something, a, a child, the literal homunculus of total lack of impulse control and go under no circumstances eat this the first thing they're going to say is no and the second thing they're going to say is not while you're in the room and <laughs> i would have been one of those children taken to hospital to have his stomach pumped so that the uranium dust would come out that would just be a thing i i, I might not have eaten it voluntarily i'd have ended up eating it somehow it, it's just no 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 that that is beyond horrifying and i can hear the advert in my mind do you want to bring the father of atomic energy into your home now you can impress your parents on your spun father remember <laughs> energy is for life not just for christmas stand down when further further than that also you you absolutely have the next breakout airport thriller right there the whole kind of the the the, the idea of quietly buying all these up and making this artisanal Fisher Price, my first atomic reaction. Yes, yes, I would read that. Look, how dirty can a dirty bomb be? Can it be covered in dust from the fifties? Is the dust actually what I'm after? The uranium dust that's leaked out? Possibly, possibly. <laughs> Where the fuck did they get the bomb? From that weird toy thing that was sold in the fifties. Shit, you mean yeah? It's covered in asbestos and racism too. We're fucked. Turns out, uh, uranium dust—that's what Wooly Willy was made out of. That's uh. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I got a Karen to go with that one here. Uh, dazzle your friends and amaze your enemies. A presentation new and terrifying. Your spectacle and scope, the dearth of their hope, bring the whole thing down to size. Rather than sprawl and scrape, be a deer and take this all down a step or two hundred. Let them kick back, pull out the kit that lets them examine your awe in micro stages. You're great at the burst, you never rehearse, you can perform it all by habit, but focusing down is a chance to brag how naturally you piece this all together. Hide or seek, your molecules speak to the infinite burn you can shower, so let them scratch as they pull at the math, 
observing your power as they glower. They're less than sages if they're not in fear of your rages. Motherfucker, you're fun for all ages. <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. I like doing our little bits on the internet on our Saturday mornings. We have fun. We have fun. Goddamn right we do. <laughs> Carrying it to the void. Not just threatening you with a good time. Making a good time. Make it, making a good time threatening. <laughs> Dude, that was brilliant. Well done. What's your self-care for yourself lately? Because I need it. <laughs> um, I, I kind of touched on it earlier, which is just... Yeah, I, it's 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 one of those kind of universal truths. You're you're not your job. I got made redundant last week, and it was a great job, and it's no one's fault. And I've seen it coming. But the simple truth is, it's still hard. Western society is broken, and capitalism is an evil Chad meat hell factory, but which makes us believe we are what we work at, and we're not. We are what we do, and we do more than our jobs. I'm not sure I do more than my job. I know you do more than your job. You do loads. My job is being Brock Wilburn. Mm. What What do you got, Seth? So my self care has been that uh, I read the and I will never go source this or see where it came from or the proper context or if it even really happened. I read somewhere that science says we're only supposed to know a maximum of two hundred people. Like the the human emotional system is built to know over the course of a lifetime two hundred people. And I am so glad that a few months ago I started making my sort of trek away from Twitter so that by the time uh, seemingly overnight things exploded, I, I, I didn't immediately think my entire personality and all of my friendships, everything that defines me as a person is going away. I was like, right, so there can be a little less of that. I don't know about this 200 number. I think I will still pursue as many possible friendships as I can, mm -hmm. and I don't believe in the concept of parasocial relationships. If you're listening to this, we are family. Uh, but <laughs> um, just uh, keeping keeping things in perspective for how humanity has always existed versus what we've created for ourselves in recent years was was a nice bit of self care in terms of like you know I, I there's no part of me that feels the need to fight to keep a social media network alive nor immediately replace it. With with any other uh, fill it, fill in the stopgap ones either. So just sort of getting to enjoy cruising on that. Uh, I recommend you sign up for a subscription to the full lid, the full lid, ladies and gents. That's where to go. Oh, thanks, man. I, I assume that you're turning it into a social media network. I would like to have an account on the full lid, uh, not just a Substack. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it it will be a full social media network. We are rolling out the exact level of security which uh, our competitors have shown us is perfect, which is one guy called Dave who, you know, can spell Linux. Uh, it's it's going to be great. Uh, we have an elite fact-checking system, which is a dictionary. I'm very excited for the future. The full lid, ladies and gentlemen. Zero days since last pedophile. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm making my way through the U.S. office at the moment. <laughs> Which is an interesting deep dive into equal parts horrifying darkness and really lovely gentle comedy. And I, I have hit the one where something happens and Dwight just looks across at Jim. And Jim sighs and holds up a sign that says, Days since, day since our last nonsense. Mm -hmm. And wipes the number and puts a zero. Yep. I felt very seen in the best of ways. Well, welcome to American Office. You and I can chat about that at, one, at length, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I am... 
fascinated by the fact that everyone in that show is a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there are several of them who I really rather like. Uh, yeah, it's... I feel like I'm closing a circuit because, you know, I went through Community, you know, I went through Parks and Rec, and it feels like once this is completed, I will have leveled in sitcom. I'll have a yellow belt in sitcom, maybe maybe even a green. Have, uh, is, is, is the American office you're sharing into the void, or...? No, my sharing into the void is uh, I I just I need a moment to climb up on my soapbox for this one because uh, I uh, I got flighty <laughs> this week. Um, I went to see a movie called Strange World last week. I've been to see a lot of films recently, largely because uh, we we're very lucky. We have an art cinema across the road which shows some really good stuff, and also because, like I say, I had a work sad, so I thought I would process my work sad by not working for a while. And I I went to see Strange World. You've probably not heard of Strange World. It's a Disney movie. It's great fun, and it's actually been pretty definitively buried by the, the Mouse House. It is an eco-dieselpunk story with Basil Wolverton from the 1950s-esque science fiction comic art. It's full of thin, fat, short, tall characters with every body shape imaginable and more than one skin color. It has the best three-legged dog in animated history in it. His name is Legend. He is the goodest boy and a glorious idiot. It's fun, it's sweet, it's kind, and I think they've thrown it in the landfill because it has a gay character in it. I might be right, I might be wrong, but the endless analysis and application of perceived meaning to business decisions associated with popular culture is so often the path of the dark side, especially for folks who do the kind of thing that we do, where, you know, something happens, you go, oh, Disney, you've just done that for the shareholders. And on the one hand, that's probably true. And on the other hand, it always kind of gets in the way of whether the thing is actually any fucking good or not. So you know what? It's really fucking good. Go see it if you can. The designs are genuinely beautiful. It has a heart a mile wide. And Jake Gyllenhaal seems to actually really enjoy playing his first non-terrifying asshole character in quite a while. Come for the designs. Come for Legend, who's great. Be pleasantly surprised by the fact that Dennis Quaid appears to have realized that many of his recent life and career choices have been terrible and begun his course correction on that. But most of all, come for and stay for an actor called Jabuki Young White as Ethan. Ethan is the lead. <laughs> Ethan is the first gay Disney character who actually exists in enough on screen that he can't be cut for overseas markets. And he's really good fun. So yeah, Strange World. I really loved it. And it's, it'll be on Disney Plus in like a minute and a half. So check it out. It's quite good. And no one knows it exists. I think the best uh, summary of it was somebody being like, yeah, uh, Jabuki's in it. And... Uh, Twitter didn't know. That's how bad the marketing was on this one. So, what do you got? Uh, my sharing is is also got some streaming elements to it. Um, I uh, I very much enjoy the film uh, Noah Baumbach film White Noise, the adaptation of one of my favorite books. Uh, it is in theaters at the time of recording, but it'll be on Netflix shortly. Um, White Noise uh, and Nope. Uh, I, I really wish I was at a uh, film publication right now because my year-end essay would be 2022 and the year of danger and spectacle for societal outcomes. Uh, yeah, just a lot of uh, what happens when we gawk at things and uh, how making spectacle uh, the focus of our pop culture is uh, going to doom us all. So it's a, it's, it's a super fun film. Uh, have a fun wacky time with a LCD sound system dance number over the credits. Uh, oh! But... Uh, yeah, yeah. All I can ask for in a film, really. That'll that'll get you through if you ever think it lags, which it super doesn't. But uh, also, Adam Driver. I there's nothing 
nothing that doesn't make everybody happy here. So that's uh, that's that's mine. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I'm so glad that, that 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 worked for you because I've been looking forward to that. <laughs> cool. Um, that's pretty much our show. So if you liked the episode, and we did, you can probably tell. Please consider leaving us a review somewhere. iTunes is great. Google Play is great. Um, we're aware there are many, many artisanal podcatchers, some whittled by hand, whatever works for you, whether you want to carve cuneiform into the side of the building you found a podcast in or whatever, that's fine. But any review really helps with our discoverability. So if you do like the show, please, you know, like, share and subscribe and also review it. That would be good. Um, also, we have some exciting merch, which is part of uh, our the amazing Jordan Shively's uh, Boyd Merch Empire. Amazing, Jordan! Uh, there's a t-shirt, I believe there's a notebook, there's some stickers, it is all good. Go there, be prepared to spend a lot of money, because Jordan and Jordan's team do extraordinary work. Are, are we Jordan's team? And also, Jordan is you know part of the show, so it's always nice to see folks we love get stuff. So, you are folks we love, and you could get stuff from Jordan. And Jordan is folks we love, and he would give stuff to you. Circle of life, just without Elton John. Circle of life, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's our show. Brock, you want to take us out? Yeah, at Brock Wilbur on social media platforms while they still exist. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Alistair Stewart, and you can find me again at Alistair Stewart on social media platforms whilst they currently exist. I'm going to have the Mastodon conversation at some point, but I feel like I need no. to own a lot uh... more ELO albums before that can really happen. But it is about to, I promise. <laughs> Goodbye, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> and please continue to survive this ongoing process. And remember, keep your hearts dark and true, your teeth sharp and many. And we'll see you next time in the void. Yay! Bye, 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 bye. <laughs>